take your Bibles and turn to Luke 6. Luke 6. Uh, we'll get started here. Um, I'll tell you, this is, um, this is a really significant day. I've been looking forward to it for years. And I can kind of imagine and envision, try to picture what that might look like. And that's even better than I could imagine. We're uh, just about ready to embark on a major building project. And if you've ever uh, been involved in construction, if you were part of phase one, uh, you know how important it is to know exactly what you're building. If you ever built a home, I can assure you, you didn't just like, well, let's just kind of throw some things together, grab some sticks, nail some stuff, the neighbor's got some extra stuff, we'll just kind of incorporate that. No way. You had a great set of plans. You knew exactly what you wanted to build. You kept consulting them over and over. They were highly detailed. And you built according to the plan. And that's what we did with phase one. And I want you to know that's exactly what we're doing with phase two. We, for several years, did a needs assessment, kind of finding out where all of our problem areas are. Um, It was very obvious at different times. Uh, Even on uh, Wednesday night, uh, we had this place packed out, and I'll have a bunch of ladies all packed out in a little children's room. Uh, We did this needs assessment, and we came to a clear understanding of what did we need in terms of adult and children's ministry. Uh, If you've ever had the privilege of going to the office over there, uh, you okay, some of you are laughing, because you have, you know, we got them all packed out, two in the porch, four along the wall, two ladies share one desk, which is interesting, and everybody's sharing this one bathroom, which is especially complicated, okay? So we had all, we were able to assess what our needs are, not only presently, but even in the future, and so what we did is, if you've been along for the journey, uh, we commissioned RBDR. Uh, architecture firm in town here, and we had them develop us a highly detailed set of plans. And that makes sense. If you're going to build, you've got to actually have plans on what to build. That makes sense physically. But does that make sense to us spiritually? We understand if you're going to have a physical building, you need to have plans. But what about when it comes to the actual people in the church? What is Jesus' mission for the church? What is he trying to accomplish? You know, it's interesting. When we say the word church, most people think what? Building, right? But in actuality, the New Testament, every time that refers to the church, it is always a body of believers, okay? A body of believers that meet and collect. They may have a place, but uh, in the early church, they didn't. They met in homes or they met on the temple mount. They met wherever they could. But when you refer to the church, it's actually a body of believers. So what exactly is God trying to build in the body of believers? What, what is actually taking place? Well, if you want to know the answer to that, you need to check with Jesus. Jesus actually has a master plan. He intends for us to follow it. If you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 6, early on in Jesus' ministry... He gave a sermon on multiple occasions. In fact, it's recorded twice in the Gospels. And at the end of this message, both times it's recorded, he ended it with a contracting seminar for building. Listen to what he said. Luke chapter 6, verse 47, he says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. So he says, everyone who comes to me, you, you personally come, you engage me, and you 
hear my words. It has the idea that you're comprehending them. In fact, you're looking, how do they apply to my life? You're coming to him, hearing his words, and not do you, not only do you understand, but notice what he says, and acts on them. You actually put them into play. You believe, and your belief in your relationship with Christ actually changes and affects your behavior. He says, if you're that person who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them, he's like, verse 48, a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock, and when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So the wise man... He comes to Jesus, hears his words, and applies them, and he digs deep. He puts his house on the deep rock of the foundation of Christ. He understands that if you're going to grow and mature and endure and weather the storms of life, you've got to have a relationship with the living God. You're going to have to put some effort and energy into it. And sure enough, just like the text says, the flood happened, and when it burst against that house, guess what? It stood because why? That house, or you could say it's a picture of someone's life, was built upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Coming to him, hearing him, and applying his truth to his their life. It is an ongoing process in a believer's life. What results is maturity, stability, a Christ-centered life. Exactly what God intends for people. On the other hand, though, as Jesus continued his contracting contractor seminar... Look at verse 49. But the one who has heard and has not acted. They've heard. They've heard about believing in Jesus. They've heard about the word. But they did not act. They never applied it. This is kind of like it bounced off their heart, out of their mind. Accordingly, if they've not acted accordingly, is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it. And immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. And so you got another guy. And you know what? He's building. Everybody's building a life. But the question is, who and what are you building your life upon? Jesus makes it real clear. If it's not me, it's like you're building your life kind of like on the sand. You're just kind of finding some ground. Like, hey, I'm just going to do it here. And you just build your life. You're not concerned about digging deep and, and having God's word a part of your life. You're not really interested in, in turning from sin and trusting in Jesus, the idea of prayer and being connected. That's just like, I don't want that. I'm going to live my life for myself. I'm going to be a hedonist. I'm going to live for pleasure. I'm going to be all about me. I can tell you something. On the basis of the scripture, your life will be a disaster. I got money. I got success. I got a house. I I got it all together. I've got an important position in this community. Friends, if your life is not built on Christ, take Jesus' word for it. Your life will be a ruin. Likely you'll even see it in this life. It explains the emptiness and the shallowness of your life. But I can assure you that in eternity, you will spend a Christless eternity. We could describe that as ruin. And so Jesus begins his ministry and he talks about the importance of coming to me and hearing my words and acting upon them, building your life upon me. And he goes on, he does a series of miracles and he presents messages and he shows the world that indeed he is the promised Messiah. In fact, he literally starts fulfilling systematically the prophecies given in the Old Testament and he fulfills them in his life so that no one will miss that he indeed is the living God, the promised one of the Old Testament, the one who will take away sins. And this one who lives a perfect, righteous life 
goes and becomes our perfect sacrifice for sins. He literally, as he prophesied and spoke beforehand, allows himself to be crucified for this purpose, that he might redeem his people, that the wages of sin is death, so Jesus dies in our place, and he literally bears our sins in his body on the cross. And he says at the end, it is finished in his final breath. They buried him, but three days later, he rose again. And it was overwhelming. He made appearances to multiple people, in fact, over to 500 people at one time, to authenticate that indeed he is the living God, that he was the one that you're supposed to believe in. And remember, that's exactly what people started doing. Now, it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus, right before he ascends to the Father, and he says, I am coming back, he ends his earthly ministry with a contractor seminar. Do you know that? It's found. You can just turn a couple pages back. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. He ends his earthly ministry with a contractor seminar. Look what he says. Verse 18, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me. If there was ever a loaded statement, this is it. Listen to me. This is what I want you to do. Verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God, yet name singular. I want you to teach people about me so that they will believe in me and the triune God. And he says, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Matthew 16, 18, when Jesus said, I will build my church, do you know that he intends to build his church through the people in the church? Us, us who believe. We have been assigned a building project to make disciples of all the nations, to not only believe in Christ, but to pour out our life in the lives of others so that they too will believe and grow and mature and they will be coming to Jesus, hearing his words and acting upon him. That is, acting upon them. That is what Jesus wants us to do. And you see, the groundbreaking mission of the church is to help people grow in maturity in Christ to the glory of God one step at a time. It is an ongoing process. You see, what happens is God brings people who trust in Jesus into his family. He literally adopts them. He even places his son's presence, the Holy Spirit, in the lives of all who will believe. It marks people out as belonging to him. And just like any parent, God the Father wants his children to develop, right? Like, I got four kids. You perhaps have children. Don't you have a goal that they are going to mature and grow and become fully developed and fully functional? I mean, that's how it works. I mean, it's like really interesting when you when you bring that brand new little baby, you know, and you're like holding the baby, right? And whether you've adopted or you're bringing uh, the baby home from the hospital and you're just holding that little baby, it's like they can really do nothing but like breathe and digest their food, right? Everything else you're in charge of. But they start growing, and it's like one change after another change after another change. And I'm not just talking about diapers, okay? 
I'm talking about there's changes in their life. They can, they can like make sounds and you're like videotaping for hours, hoping they might roll over. I know this from personal experience and I never did get it, but uh, it's painful to watch those kind of videos. But you're hoping and then eventually they do, but you missed it. Then they can start crawling and then they can start making sounds and they say those first words and you're calling all the relatives, right? And then they can like ride a trike and next thing you know, they're riding a bicycle and they can shoot hoops and then they go to school and they can learn and then, whoa, then it gets really scary. Then they're starting to drive. Whoa, you've spent your whole life driving them around. Now they can drive, right? Your prayer life increases, you know? I know this firsthand. I was up really late waiting for my daughter to tell me that she made it. She's going on another mission trip. She forgot to text me. You know, I'm like, I got a huge day tomorrow. And there I am waiting to find out, where are you? And I was like, did her phone die? What's going on? Okay, what, why? Because your kids are growing, and the whole goal of parenting is to launch them fully mature into this life. Right? Well, the Lord has the exact same mission for His people. I mean, what parent would like your kid to stay at the two-year-old stage their entire life? I mean, okay, you got one. Thank you for being honest, all right? And, and there are a lot of precious memories, right? It's all great, but for most of us here today... We really want our kids to grow and mature. So does the Lord. And it's really interesting. Paul, when he articulates Jesus' mission statement in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, he says this, We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man or every person, what? Complete. The Greek word is teleos, which means fully mature in Christ. Paul says that is the goal, to present every person. No matter whether they're, they're young, young in the faith, wherever they're at, wherever they are in the world, to present them fully mature in Christ. We recognize maturity in people, but what God intends is that we would see maturity in those who are Christians. That is the groundbreaking mission of the church, to make disciples, to invest in such a way that people grow and mature in the faith. So what does that look like? What does what is maturity in Christ look like? I can imagine what maturity looks like as you kind of go through natural stages of life, but what does it look like? Well, you see maturity in Christ when you see Christ-centered individuals, that they really are focused on Christ, and they see Christ at the center of all that they do, all of their life's activities, their relationships, whether they're at home or at work or at school or at church. They are a Christ-centered individual. They are constantly seeking to have Christ at the center of their lives and their activities. They're committed They're committed to God, His Word, His people. They have character. They've matured and developed. And and character, what happens is they, they become informed from God's Word. And so their understanding, their comprehension starts changing. They start understanding life from God's perspective. And as they are growing in their knowledge, what happens is their convictions, their beliefs, their attitudes, their values, they start conforming to the Word of God. There may be radical changes because you may have believed things that were wrong, very worldly, but you find that the Scripture starts shaping your beliefs, your attitudes, your values. And from your convictions, we all live out our convictions, comes your behavior, your conduct. And so when you see character, when we talk about maturity, there is a Christ-centered character. You look like Jesus. What you believe about heaven, hell, life, why you're here, where you're going, what you're to do with your your money, what's your purpose in life all gets shaped from the scriptures. We could call it a biblical worldview, but you find that a mature Christian has a godly character that looks a lot like Jesus. 
In fact, another thing you see with people that are mature in Christ is that they're competent, that they have skills. They could actually read the Bible. They know how to pray. They could share their faith in an articulate way to actually spell out the gospel to someone. And they do. It's like this. We could take you and put you in a plane and drop you off someplace where they've never really heard of Jesus. And you could go and share the gospel and you could perhaps lead someone to Christ and you could help them grow and mature. Why? Because you have the essential skills. You've got competency. And finally, when you look at maturity, you see people that are connected. When you see mature Christians, they are connected with one another. They understand that we are put into a body of believers and that your gifts are needed and you are not only to receive but to give. There is this inner working just like your body is attached and fully functioning together. So it is with Christians. And Paul says, you know, hey, that mission to present every person complete in Christ, I can't do it on my own. That's not something you manufacture. That's why he said in Colossians 1.29, for this purpose also I labor, striving according to His power, which mightily works within me. It's a God-dependent life. God, you do the work through me. Friends, that is the groundbreaking mission of the church. When people ask me, hey, what's, what's Fellowship Bible Church like? I remember like one time being on this Cub Scout outing. We were on this hike, and there was a lady, and she was familiar with Fellowship Bible Church, and she wanted to know, what's this church like? So she asked me, and I said, hey, you see that tree over there, that oak tree? That's what fellowship is like. And she's like, okay, this is weird, right? All right? I said, let me explain this to you. See, that tree started off as a sapling, and what happens is the roots would start going down in the ground, and as the roots went in the ground, that tree started emerging. It developed a trunk, and, and pretty soon it's branching out and bearing fruit, and, and it has all these leaves. And it started small, but it grew big. That's like Fellowship Bible Church. We are those who absolutely believe in the essential reality that you must believe in Jesus Christ. And when you do it, you're like a little sapling. And you start growing in God's Word, and you learn to pray. And you grow in knowing in God, and He starts developing you. He shapes your character. And you start branching out, and, and your relationship with Christ starts showing up in your relationships with your people that you know, like your family and your friends, people at church, people at work, people in the community. And it also shows up in how you see what you do. You no longer see yourself as just, I got a job, but that your job is your major ministry and you represent Christ. That's Fellowship Bible Church. You see, we're a church like an orchard, okay? Do you know that we have people today that are investigating Christianity? They're learning. They want to know more. They want to see what Christians look like. They're actually looking at you. They're observing you. They're here to learn from the Word. They go to our Bible studies. They're here on Sunday mornings. But we have also brand new Christians. Do you know that? We have people that just this year placed their faith in Christ. They're like a little sapling, and they're starting to grow. And we have others that are growing, and they're really taking in the Word, and they're experiencing life change. In fact, we've heard stories like that this morning. And then we have others that are starting to invest in others. They realize, hey, you know what? I've been saved to serve, to serve a Savior, which means to serve His people. And and so they start engaging in ministry. And, you know, we also have people that as they have continued to grow, they're actually discipling others. They're pouring their life into the life of others, developing new leaders, new believers. They're helping them grow in the faith. Plato said, a country cultivates what it honors. Friends, we honor what God honors, and he says this is what the groundbreaking mission of the church is, to make disciples of all the nations, that they would grow in Christ. And that's what all of our ministries are about. In fact, all the campus development 
It's all about making disciples. You know, our builder, K4, they got a detailed set of plans. And they expect to consult those plans all the time and build that new building exactly according to plans. They're not going to like, hey, we're going to go freestyle here for the next year and see what happens. No, they're going to follow the plans. So guess what? That's what we need to do. God is building us. We need to follow the plans, the plans given in God's word. And we have a vision of being a church of every generation that is growing deep in Christ and reaching out to the world with the love and the message of Christ. And that's what we're doing. That is our focus. We got a clear set of plans. Those plans are found in his word. You know what happens when the contractor, when he sees something that he doesn't quite understand, what did the architect mean here? They issue an RFI, request for more information. They want request for information because we're not quite sure. You know why they do that? Because they want to make sure they follow the plans to the letter. So it is with us. So here we are. We're at our next step. When we constructed phase one, we had this simple phrase we kept saying over and over. We are building to build lives. We're not building just because, well, church ought to have a building. Okay, that's what you do. I don't know. Make a building, right? No, we are always building to build lives. When you develop phase two, same purpose. We are building to build lives. It is just the next step. And friends, We're in this journey together. I want you to think for just a minute. You see, the facilities that we are building, they're meant merely to facilitate the ministry that God has entrusted to us. That's what they are. The facilities we're building are meant to facilitate the ministry that God has entrusted to us. I mean, just think of it. Think of like the classrooms. I want you to think of all the different decisions that are going to be made. People are going to be taught. We're going to be investing in our children. We're, we're going to build a, a wonderful place that will cultivate faith in young people. We're going to have these really cool adult classrooms. You're going to feel comfortable and have opportunities to meet so we're not always scattered and double booked in rooms all the time. Okay? We're, we're having places where you can build and invest in the lives of others. When you think about the administrative offices that we're building, we want them to be warm and inviting. And And there's just so many behind-the-scenes details that happen. And there's a lot of people that work and volunteers to come and make sure that the ministry of making disciples runs smoothly and things are coordinated and resources are provided. And in those offices and those conference rooms, I can assure you, just like it happens week after week at our church, there are many life-changing decisions. We meet with people in the most painful parts of their life and the most joyous. So many decisions are made. Marriages are saved in meeting places like that. When you look at the community areas, I want you to just think of the thousands of conversations that will take place and relationships that will be built, gatherings that will take place. It's just like this. When you look at Fellowship Bible Church, just think of the countless memories. Think of musicals and meals and missionaries that have been sent out. Think of how the Word has been preached How prayers are offered, saints are gathered, hope is renewed, hearts are refreshed. That is, it takes place, a lot of life takes place within these walls. 
But the goal isn't the building. The goal is the building of the people of God, because you know why? That is the groundbreaking mission of the church. And so as you see this new building going up, I want you to be thinking this. Just like great care is going to the physical development of that building, following the plans exactly, so God is spiritually developing us. And great care, attention to the detail, concern for the development needs to take place of what God is doing in our midst. And I just want to tell you just on a personal note, I am so grateful to be a part of a church like this. Uh, Yesterday, couldn't stay away. Uh, got it, they got it all staked out. And I, I walked out in the middle of phase two, just like I did in phase one, and just stood out there. And I'm sure the people driving by thought, that's a little weird. But I'm just out there and I'm just praying, thanking God, praying that God would continue just to do his work through us, that this vision of making disciples might continue to multiply. Just thanking God that what is a dream becomes a reality, that his word comes into play. And I just want to tell you, it is, it is a huge privilege for a guy like me to be a part of a church like this. And I want to tell you, thank you. So friends, the journey continues. The groundbreaking mission of Jesus continues today. We are grateful for our past heritage We are enjoying this moment. Man, this is really great. And we are looking forward with hope for all that the Lord has for us. And we know this, that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And so we seek his face. And we ask God not only to build the place that we will meet on a lot of different occasions, but most importantly, that he'll build us even in that process, even in our giving even as we share, even as we engage each other, even today, perhaps we're taking next steps of growing and maturing in our relationship with Christ. So today is a milestone day. It's a moment in time to mark where we are at. It's a significant event in the history and the life of our church. And so we thank God for our heritage, and we trust him all the more for our future. And friends, I want you to know that today is like part of a legacy that we will leave our children and this community. It is a statement to say that this mission of making disciples of all the nations, it is worthy of our greatest commitment and our sacrifice. It is a testimony of God's faithfulness in our life and a commitment to this mission of seeing people grow deep and reach out. And so the groundbreaking mission of Jesus continues on this day. And that mission is this, to help people grow in maturity in Christ to the glory of God one step at a time. And we are building to build lives. And today is the next step. Let's pray. Lord, we want to just praise you and thank you for your amazing grace in our lives. And if there is someone here today who's never placed their trust and faith in Christ, and they have heard and they have seen, they have come and they are asking you to work and act. But they just simply pray with me and say, God, I turn from myself and my sin. And I place my faith in Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord. And Lord, we want to thank you for your amazing faithfulness to our church. God, you've seen us in all sorts of different situations. 
You shape, form, fashion, conform us to the image of Jesus. You work all things together for your good, even the hard and the difficult. But this morning, we gather as one church, and with one voice, we worship and praise you and tell you that we, we love you. And so, God, would you do your work through us for your glory? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.